these fans that make me gay, don't we? Yep. So that audio clip was from the episode The Story of Gangs Delicious from Boondocks. Uh, the character Riley's crying over his idol being gay because he thinks it makes him gay by association for liking him. Um, I wanted to start with that because Boondocks is one of my favorite animated series and a series that most black people my age uh, grew up watching and it covers a lot of themes prominent in black culture. Um, today the theme that I want to talk about is the influence of toxic masculinity in the lives of black men and how this is often expressed in actions that can be seen as homophobic. So here's where I stand. My name is Lizzie, I'm 21, and I'm a black woman. And as a black woman, I get to be in the presence of a lot of very opinionated black men. And this has been a theme that I've noticed and I wanted to explore. So I'm remembering back to my first boyfriend. My first boyfriend was a black guy named Olivier, and one day I was, we were talking about our future lives together, our future children, as you do with first boyfriends in high school. Um, he said something about how if his son was ever acting gay, he would simply beat the gay out. And although this struck me as super inappropriate and I had to think, hold up, this is not someone I want to be with or have children with ever, I honestly wasn't surprised because I grew up hearing this type of thing from the black men in my life. My first memory of witnessing this hypermasculinity was when I was younger um, with my brother. My brother is five years younger than me, and he's always looked up to me. And so that means he's always been wanting to do what I'm doing. Doesn't matter if it was painting my nails, wearing tiaras, and dressing up as princesses, he wanted to do it. So when he was around five or six, I used to paint his nails and let him dress up in my dress-up clothes. Um, his name is Jesse, so he would dress up as his alter ego, Jessica. And I just remember we would have so much fun. We would be laughing. We'd be playing, like making up plays. And I also can remember so vividly my dad just giving us looks of sheer disgust and disappointment. Um, I remember my dad would make little comments. He would say, this isn't funny to me, or don't encourage him to be a girly man. And so my dad would continue to say these little things or just give us looks until my brother eventually grew out of it, but was also pretty pressured out of it. Um, so from that memory, I decided to do a few interviews. Uh, I did an interview with my dad, with my brother, and also Sonny Matthews, who's an activist and anti-racism trainer, because I wanted to hear their perspectives on toxic masculinity. But the funny thing is, they all had one story in mind. You know who Boosie is? What about Boosie? Boosie? So as you could hear, everybody wanted me to talk about Torrance Ivy Hatch, better known as Boosie. Boosie is an African-American rapper who admitted to getting a grown woman to perform oral sex on his 13-year-old son. He admitted this on an Instagram live stream where he said, Yeah, 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 I got my fucking son big shit. Fucking right. So this is a very extreme example of toxic masculinity and homophobia expressed in a way that a black father has decided to parent his child. Boozy actually admitted to doing this to prevent his son from being gay. And so I wanted to explore why black men seem so willing to do or say anything to prevent their sons from being gay. Um, I wanted to give some context of toxic masculinity fueling homophobia in the black community by including a conversation that I had with Sonny Matthews. There's this um, theory called exaggerated presence, and it's this idea that black men in particular have been so belittled and persecuted and 
you know, lynched and like every part of our history has attacked and targeted them in a way that like gets cuts at their manhood. Women ripped from their arms, babies, they're not able to protect their children, they're enslaved. Like all of this historical um, nonsense is in their blood, right? And so there's this theory. It started like in like the, I want to say like boombox era, so 70s, 80s, 90s. And it was this idea like, you're going to see me. And so it was like an exaggerated presence. So they, you know, connect the psychology of like the big, huge um, chains and like the really loud cars and the big, huge um, rims and all of that nonsense to this idea of um, exaggerating who they are, like grandos kind of vibe, okay? So for me, I think there's like a, a um, way in which their children are an extension, of, your, your children are an extension of you, right? And how they show up in the world is a reflection on you. So black men in particular have an exaggerated presence when it comes to their children, in my eyes, right? And so either they are the best fathers in the world and their children are a reflection in that, right? Or our exaggerated presence takes over, toxic masculinity takes over, and their kids are going to represent them in a way that looks manly. For Bootsy to, you know, set his kid up not to be gay at 12 years old, thinking if he creates this interaction with a woman, it'll stomp out that. The diminishing of femininity, you know, you act like a man, don't cry. Um, you know, boys aren't supposed to cry. Like all of that is connected to, I think, two, two, two veins. Number one, your ch- children are an extension of you, and number two, um, you, you're preparing your kids to live in a world that that will that is traumatic. Could you imagine if you, if black people in general, but especially black men, dealt with the harm and the hurt and the trauma they that occurred every time they took to the streets? They'd never get anything. They'd just be a, like a ball of mess. You know what I mean? So we, we stuff that down. So I think a lot of um, toxic, toxic masculinity and the denying of feelings in terms of black men is a protection. Yeah. I definitely want to bring up, like, the idea of, like, sexuality questioning masculinity because I feel like a lot of black families, like, directly correlate like your how you express your gender is like oh you're you're gay and like <laughs> you know like even though there's not a correlation um yeah. but like I've seen that a lot in my family where if the men in my family aren't you know like doing gender in the proper way then mm-hmm. they're automatically like, like their masculinity is questioned and it's suddenly like oh no like you can't do that because that's gay So as Sonny and I talked about, historically black men have been brutalized, dehumanized, and humiliated, and so the expression of gender and masculinity has become something so important to the black male that it's actually become harmful. So in a conversation that I had with my own father, I brought up the fact that my brother said that he felt the pressure to uphold the black stereotype as to not be seen as gay or sensitive, and my dad responded with... So thinking about how he had already grown up feeling pressured to uphold a stereotype as to not be seen as gay, I wanted to hear how he applied that when raising my brother. I think that like the fear of having a gay son is a factor of toxic masculinity, like 
Do you think that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, everybody care, Everybody that's a part of this culture carries it to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I don't have any problem with, with anyone that's gay. Yeah. Or if my son was gay, I wouldn't... That wouldn't let me change how I feel about my son or anything or how I behave around him in public or... It wouldn't make me embarrassed or anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, it's like my cringiness with it. I was just always just trying to, just trying to fucking blend into the background, really. And I never could. And so it's like, yeah, like you said, like, you know, being gay for me, I'm not gay, but being gay for me is just, it's just like, oh my God, it would just, I mean, my cringiness is just because I, I think it's like you said it too. Because I think about it, I think about seeing uh, gay white people, mm-hmm. and then I think about seeing gay black people. Yeah. And for some reason, gay black people repulses me more than doesn't repulse me. Gay black people turns me off, or <laughs> pisses me off, or irritates me more. Really. Than if I saw anybody else, yeah. So yeah. It's huh. Why do you, Why do you think I that is? specific yeah. to one group we all have we ha- just scared for jesse when it was that was most of my dislike with it but yeah really it just it triggered a deep fear that i had for him mm-hmm. you know it just made it just amplified that and i already have that you know so that's what it just yeah that's that's that's, that's kind of what i was looking at um yeah. because i think that you know like fathers of black sons especially are already scared for them because it's like they're already born into this system where people people are racist yeah, I, and then it's like I okay and people are also homophobic so like if this is how you want to present yourself to the world 
it's going to be difficult for you. And, like, I just want to watch out for you. I want it to be yeah. easier. Yeah, for me, too, to watch the world shred my baby apart, you know? Yeah. That's, you know, that's that's the part that's like, oh, Jesus. It's like, no, I love you, dude, but <laughs> not everybody does. Yeah. Put some pants on, bro. Oh, the days of Jessica. <laughs> You know, that's all it is. I, I, I had to talk about it to even, to even realize what it is. But yeah, no, that's, yeah. What it, that's what it, you know, and I think that's what it is when I see other black people that are flamboyantly gay, you know, it's like, because I do care about people, mm-hmm. you know. Those were some parts of the conversation I had with my dad. We talked more and my dad admitted that he had some work to do on himself um, because he hadn't realized that he thought that way. He said that it annoyed him when black people act gay and he wanted to undo that. He mentioned how he didn't ask to be born black. Um, And this made me wonder if maybe part of his problem with black people being gay is that black is an identity that can't be hidden. Um, But being gay is not a visible identity. And when black people express themselves in ways to make their sexuality visible, it seems almost as if they had a choice to make themselves vulnerable to oppression. It really doesn't make sense to me, but we talked about it and he said that's where he was coming from. Um, So I'm trying to understand where he's coming from and I'm happy that he recognizes that it's something he has to work on. I think it's important to have these conversations, even if it's uncomfortable, because if we don't understand where our problematic feelings come from, then we can't address them and we can't change them. I really did come into this podcast with a central theme, but I didn't know where it would go. I've learned a lot, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most was that sometimes people are unaware of the influences on their thought process or implicit biases that they hold. I think we can all learn something from my dad because he was super honest and super transparent with some of his more problematic views, and from that was able to start to think about how to undo those. So with that said, I think these conversations are important, and it's important to think about how does the toxicity of black stereotypes and the pressure on black men to uphold a certain reputation affect their lives? And what can we do to take the pressure off of them? How do we show them that it's okay to step out of that box and we will not question their sexuality, masculinity, or blackness? Does it start at home or do we need better representation in the media of black men? All I know is that we can start supporting black men in our lives however they show up in the world.